Hey guys, and welcome to Cafe Bullions. That's what we're called, isn't it? I think That's so. That's it. Feels like it's been a while. <laughs> cafe Bullions. Welcome to the cafe. <laughs> um, I'm here with our usual friends, Costa, Alex, Susie. Unfortunately, couldn't make it tonight. Um, she's been struck down by the pandemic virus. The dirty vid, so they say. But so, send your thoughts and prayers her way, and we'll. Proper up for the next episode. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just a bit of an intro on what we're going to be talking about today. We've got a number of good articles today. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about Tantalus Media, apparently opening a, an office in Adelaide. So there's some exciting opportunities there. Um, we've got some news about DALI number two for doing some cool AI texturing um, image generation. We're talking about uh, another AI generation tool called mid journey uh we're looking sounds pretty mid john (laughs) it does well we'll find out how mid it it really is (laughs) we're talking about an old game that was never quite made but it was used as a protest game called escape from woomera Uh, we're going to be talking about life is strange and how uh deck nine is decided to throw away the episodic model that they used with the first one and they're going with just complete games now. And we're going to talk about some news that's recently come out from our local Mighty Kingdom and discussing that a bit. But to start us off, I'm going to throw over to Alex, who's going to tell us a bit more about this Tantalus Media thing. What's going on there? What's going on there is it is a great time to live in Adelaide and be a game developer um, because Tantalus, the developer behind such porting classics as uh, <laughs> Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, HD Remaster, The Age of Empires, Definitive Editions 2 and 3, City Skylines, uh, Twilight Princess HD, Mass Effect 3. Um, so many since the early 90s. Australian developer Tantalus, they are opening up a studio in Adelaide. And if you rush over to Seek, by the time this airs, hopefully that job will still surely will still be up. Um, there are three jobs going. We've got senior technical designer, senior programmer, games, and senior producer. Um, and as Costa pointed out to me before, it's all work from home uh, until they procure a office in the Adelaide CBD and um, and set up shop there, and then they'll build the team. Um, speculating, speculating this from unknown sources that there is going to be a lot of jobs that will come from this. Um, this is good mm. for us. We, you know, new new blood on the scene, new big blood on the scene. Um, yeah. Blood. Costa, you going to be uh, typing <laughs> up your describe that blood on the scene. Yeah, big, new blood. big blood. At least you didn't say fresh yeah. meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, if anything, we are the fresh meat. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're, they're the experienced yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are. I mean, they've started in '94. They're gonna. Mm. They're more experienced than yeah, any of I our developers. That. I just love that their first game was Stargate on the SNES. You love your Stargate. Amazing. Oh, was it really? Stargate. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of the yeah. games, like <laughs> a lot of people know their games. If you look at some of their early games, like Stargate Wipeout on Saturn, so they must have ported Wipeout from PS One to Sega Saturn. Uh, the Wipe Polar out. Express wow. on Game Boy Advance. Yeah. <laughs> Such hits. Oh, man, that's timeless. Well, House of the Dead <laughs> on Saturn and PC. 
South was Park the, Rally as that well. That was the um like the intensity one, wasn't it? Yeah, House the House of the, of the Dead. Yeah. yeah, that was dope. Looney Tunes Space Race. Mary Kate and Ashley Winners Circle. What a hit. <laughs> um Unreal Two on Xbox. What else? Wow. Yeah, there's some pretty good games that they, they worked on um early on. And even now recently, like they worked on Sonic Mania, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess H D, Funky Bon. Does everyone love Funky Bon? You know, <laughs> this is actually impressive considering just the variety of consoles they've gone yeah. to. Because for each console, they'd have to learn, especially probably back pre, you know, Unity and Unreal and kind of cross-platform engines. You'd have to learn all the tools mm. for that console specifically. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Well, looking at their um, the skills, abilities, and qualifications on Seek for what they want for the senior technical designer. Um. They're like either Unity or Unreal, preferably both. Basic to intermediate understanding of coding languages, C, C++, or C Sharp. For a senior technical designer, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so they seem to be pretty, um, what's the word? Uh, easygoing. That's not the word I wanted, but we're going to settle with that. Of <laughs> Unity and Unreal Engine. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. But yeah, so um, keep your eyes peeled for them and our Adelaide family will make them welcome I am sure this, this is one of those things where you know looking at all these old games it, it reminds me of just how many like older games were actually made in Australia for like big franchises um, and I know like I know in this case they were port at ports here but like even just like you know um, the Star Wars games that were made here in SA mm-hmm. and um, I know, like, I was talking to a composer from Queensland, I think it was, who did the music for, like, the uh, the last Airbender Game Boy Advance game or something That's like that. Cool. And because it was a studio over there that I'm pretty sure did it. That would be, like, your dream to do that. You love your Game Boy games music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was all- awesome yeah well that's and then and that's this there was so many i mean that that's kind of like that older old school kind of games industry that existed here like the 2000 the mid 2000s early like late 90s and then obviously all before the um the globe the financial crisis which Mm. you know wiped out a lot of the studios um in australia or made them downsize and i think even tantalus uh from what i can read during the first half of 2010, the company was reduced to a staff of under 18. So, uh, yeah. like, they really had to scale back from what I'm reading uh, and, yeah, kind of just survived, really, and and went back to, you know, they've grown back up to, to what they were before, which is cool. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of that. It's, I, one is probably one of those studios that had just survived from throughout that whole ordeal that happened <laughs> that's the thing if you could survive yeah. i didn't realize Actually, i was just looking that that last airbender game i was talking about it was made in conjunction from thq australia and half brick which went on to make fruit mm. ninja yeah who right. are also australian so half brick's huge yeah i don't know are they still big they're pretty big though like they they used to be huge yeah they're, uh, they're still they're probably still, still around yeah yeah i didn't realize uh well, apparently viva pinata oh was viva pinata party animals that's uh, rare, isn't it? The original Viva Pinata. Yeah, but that was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and this one's rare as no, it's not rare as well. So the first one was rare, um, but the second one was made by Chrome Studios. 
oh. by a team of 60 people. Chrome the first is in Australian Chrome studio in. to develop a first-party game for Microsoft. Wow. The involvement of Rare, responsible for the original Viva Pinata, was limited to supplying artwork and information about the game's visual style, while Chrome retained full control over the design. Interesting. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, sad that I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Australia. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So. Awesome. Well. Throw it over. Speaking of uh, art assets and models and workflows, Dali 2, we spoke about it previously on another podcast, but it is, we actually spoke about it in the context of will there be people using it in a game uh, development pipeline? And I actually came across a uh, tweet uh, last week, which is a texture artist who is using DALI 2, which is uh, a tool to generate art based on uh, text. And they're using it for texture fixing and uh, texturing. So it's uh, a technical artist called, uh, I'm going to screw this up, but Shariar Sharabi, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm probably butchering that, um, but technical artist and art director working on uh, puzzling places uh, in a, I think it's a photogrammetry tool and productions company. Um, and he put out a tweet recently where he actually demonstrated how he uses Dali in his uh, workflow. So he used Dali for texture fixing and texturing, and he said that it's going to save so much time if we streamline the workflow. Um, and we'll share the video in the in the description. But basically, what he's doing is he's uh, looking at a a three D model. And again, I'm probably going to butcher this because I'm not an artist. But he's looking at a three D model. I think he's taken the texture from the three D model. Um, he's exported it, removed a certain area that he wanted to uh, paint over. And just throwing it into Dali 2, he's then used the tool in Dali where you can actually select to replace uh, a certain area of the image, and then he's just written in oh. he's just written in the text field uh, that he wants uh, Japanese roof tiles. So it's it's a building, and he's replacing the roof, the t the texture of the roof, and he just wrote Japanese roof tiles, and it generated um, a texture on top of that of Japanese roof tiles. And then he's downloaded that, re-exported it back into his uh, workflow. And voila, he's got Japanese roof tiles. So pretty crazy wow. um, that he can so just do that. using it just on those small sections. That's right. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Oh, that's a cool way of doing and it. And he says, cool he says it's it. uh, especially good for fixing photogrammetry missing textures. So it's a, he said it's a lifesaver, which... Photogrammetry um, for those, I'm sure everyone knows about it. But you take it, I, and again, I'm going to butcher it. But you take a photo of something. I, I don't know about it. I think you take a photo <laughs> of funny. something um, and it creates a 3D model. It's like a you take a series a of photos. Yeah, it's it, a whole bunch. It's, it's, you take a bunch of photos or even a video. I, I don't really know the the process of it. And well, it's I mean, it's using the lidar scanner. The so lidar it's, scanner. It's kind of right. not depth, even a photo. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's using photo data to get the texture, the texture things like right. that. But, you know, your iPhones and your, I mean, I'm not Apple, so I don't know what you call them, iPhone Pro, whatever mm. your, your good one is. Mm. Um, the one that uh, Papa Steve Jobs 
uh, sat on forever. Um, yeah, so that one, that one does it. But yeah, there's used, there's always chunks missing. Yeah, like, and that's because I've, I've been I've been looking at some models to use um, in a game, uh, just like photogram like uh, models that have been taken or generated using photogrammetry and you you always find like one area of the model is really well textured but then you start going around all these little areas where it's just like texture missing or textures like kind of bad um so yeah this is a cool very cool use for it uh and he also mentioned that he, you can get a ton of variation like for example if you want a roof with leaves you can have it in a sec. You want a red one, you can just write, I want a red roof, and it'll generate that. Um, and it's all projected with the right lighting style and perspective as well, That's which is another key feature of Dali is that you can, if it's a texture that's done, uh, you know, cel-shaded, you can take it and write cel-shaded, uh, I don't know, a cel-shaded roof in green, and it'll generate that. And it knows the, the rest of the picture around it to be able to generate something that's quite similar in style, which is... Yeah, really powerful. It's cool that so quickly after we've spoken about how it could be used, people are actually using it to streamline their process. Yeah, and the important thing to note is that uh, Dali that's getting used here is not the same Dali that um, everyone is uh, typing in Peter Griffin. Uh, the Dali Mini that you get on Google. Yeah, Dali that thing is so that's, that's next that, to garbage, that's not- I think. <laughs> Is that not Dali? That is, is but that, it's like a, it's like difference? a, I mean, it's it's like using like a 50th of its brain, basically. Like it's just using yeah. leftover. Yeah, well. Like so Costa's actually yeah, been experimenting with it. Yeah, I had access to, I got access to Dali too, and I've just been going wild with it, just generating a bunch of random <laughs> stuff. That's awesome. Uh, how, how do you get access? Can you request it or do you have to be part of like a partner program or something like no, that? No, you can just request access. Um, I think you have to specify like what you want to use it for or what your occupation is or something. For fun? Yeah, <laughs> basically for fun. Um, <laughs> to show my friends. <laughs> sure. and, and I mean, from what I've seen, like I think the pricing model on it is pretty cool. Like it, you, you basically pay 15, like you get 45 free credits, but then you can also pay, I think it's 15 uh, USD on top of that to get... Uh, 115 credits so every time you generate like four images uh that's one one credit so every time you do yeah. a search it's one credit oh man they're gonna make so much yeah money i mean I, I i that is insane i burnt through 45 <laughs> credits like straight away just pl- just messing with it, and i bought another 115 credits and yeah I just, like i've almost burnt through that again because it's just your imagination runs wild and you just like well what, totally. what would this look like and what would that look like and what would this and it's just it's so cool to be totally. able to generate <laughs> Uh, different things in different art styles just across the board and see variations. And it's actually generated some really, really like high quality, cool stuff. And the beauty is that uh, all assets that that you generate through Dali 2 actually can be used commercially, which is another cool thing as well. Uh, do they actually specify that in their terms and they conditions? Do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's awesome. So because I was using, not Dali, but I was using a pixel art AI renderer uh, by someone called Dribnet okay. um, and I don't know if it was drawing on a platform called Pixray or just hosted there I'm not quite sure um, but I was using it a little bit and I'll just see if I can share my screen for you guys to show you um, you may or may not be able to see this um, but for my kind of sound worlds music that I do because it's kind of in it's set in a fictional world I wanted to create kind of like maps with locations so what I was doing was, so this map itself was not AI, but I don't know if you can see these little circles 
here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just for people listening, so it's basically a map with a grid on it and then locations are little kind of circles which with snapshots of what a location might look like. So those what's inside those circles was pretty much AI generated from text. Mm. Um, and then I... So I... I put it in and then, you know, whatever came out the other end, I probably did about four or five tries, got my favorite one and then I pulled that into um, another program like Asaprite where I would touch it up, you know, change hue and saturation, change like light and darkness and maybe just add a few pixels here and there to touch it up to be more in line with what I was trying to convey. Mm. Uh, But it was interesting. Like in the end, I stopped using it and I've taken them down now because part of the dilemma is uh, how much, I guess, you feel comfortable with giving power over to the AI to mm-hmm. make uh, creative decisions mm-hmm. there. Um, and that's something I'm still totally, I'm no, I don't know <laughs> how I feel about yeah. it. <laughs> I'm kind of pros and cons. But I think at the end, in the end, I was kind of like, I didn't quite want to give over that much creative yeah. control of how the initial image looked. Yeah. Pixel uh, art is a, is a, is a, it's funny, right? Like, um, Dali's terrible at pixel art. Um, like, Dali Costa was. No, 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 no. As a pixel artist, cool. as a pixel artist, <laughs> Dali yeah, pixel is terrible at, at pixel art. Like, okay, Alex, are you, are you saying that objectively or because Dali's coming for your sweet income? <laughs> I make no money. It costs me money to do pixel art. You can take my job, yeah, Dali. Okay. All right. If you can, cool. if, if, if Dali could type in Steve Bromley and generate a pixel version of him, I, I get my Wednesday nights back. That's awesome. <laughs> um, no, uh, like because I think it's because um, the part that makes it's imagination, right? Uh, so I'm trying to f- formulate this as I say it, but it's because the AI doesn't have an imagination, right? So pixel art works for us. And as Shane Bevan, when he came on the podcast, he spoke in, about it. Pixel art for us is an easy win, right? Because it doesn't take that much effort to make something that looks good because your brain fills in the gaps. So when you tell Dali, you know, there's videos of being like, I want to see what God looks like in this cosmic explosion, in this, you know, forest of crystal rain and stuff like that. And it makes these amazing images. Yet you say in pixel art, put Darth Vader on a beach. Um, It just makes this really ugly pixel art because it's stuff like... um, pixel density or like it starts using rectangles like it doesn't you can tell it doesn't actually know what pixel art is it kind of knows what the shape of it is but like you know uh a pixel is you know the smaller size like a square and yet they'll have a square and then they'll have an even smaller rectangle right next to it and it just completely breaks how it looks so that's good for like you know if you had no inspiration and you needed uh, and 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 I'm not no hang on hang on I can see that this isn't saying about what you're making this isn't saying about what you're making I'm talking more about composition stuff like if you have no idea where to go with the picture and you want to see AI develop it then it's a good solution um, but it's it's it surprisingly d- does what we consider very simple it but, doesn't do it very well but the other thing is like I, when I spoke to on on, on Friday at Game Plus. Spoke to mm. Jed, who uh, works as a what's his? I don't know exactly what the job is, but he works in animation, right? And he was mentioning how part of the process is kind of 
and, and you're right. It's, it's kind of where you use it and how you use the tool because it's a tool at the end of the day. And how do you use it in what context? Like in this context, uh, in the example that we, we, we looked at, it's using it to kind of fill in a really small gap and it's like a, an efficiency thing, right? Mm. Um, and it's a way to, you know, the, the person who, who is using it knows what they're looking for and they just want it to be done very quickly. Like is it photo, it's in a photogrammetry kind of, um, they're using, you know, that kind of art style. Like it's, it's realistic. They can write, generate floor tiles on this exact area and this is exactly what I want. So, even from there, like it's a it's a very specific use case. In the in the instance where you're using it, you know you can use it another in another area where, for example, uh, I want to create a character who is, I don't know, a green alien that lives on Mars, right? Even if I was to tell you that, you already have some kind of image in your brain and or some loose elements. And that's those elements are based on things that you've already previously seen. Um, I could then give you if I was to tell you about it, and you would say, "Well, give me some examples." That's exactly what you'd probably say because I have a certain vision of what I'm kind of thinking about. And what I would do is I'd go on Google, I'd find images of like green aliens, and be like, "Oh, it kind of looks like this," or I'd draw something, and it'd be like kind of something like this. You could use Dali in a way as as an inspiration jumping off point where you're going green alien uh, that lives on Mars. You find different variations in different styles or whatever, and then you come to a, you know, artistic uh, decision as to how you want it to look like based on all of that information that you've gathered in, you know? So you can use it in that context where you're using it to uh, generate a bunch of ideas and then, and then, yeah, use yeah, it as inf- background said. information. Yeah, that's right. So you can use it in different areas. So yeah. you're using it as like reference, reference art. Reference yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because then, I mean, it's already kind of like an amalgamation of other that's art. Right. So it's kind of like, but you've then got that intimate, intimate I can't say the word, that <laughs> that, that middleman, <laughs> which is the um, AI. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Thanks, Costa. <laughs> uh, which is the AI, which is kind of it's making kind of the curated. decision there of, Essentially, it's curated. I guess it's helpful where then if you get a batch of images from the AI, but there's every AI you use will always have some kind of bias in true. some form. True, true, true. Um, and I don't mean that in kind of like the political or racial way. Um, there's that too, but I mean just even like it will be biased towards certain images depending on what data it's fed. And 100%. so that's. But are we? Are we that's a weird. But are we one. also then, not biased? If everyone based on starts, the data we've been fed. Oh, totally, totally, we yeah. are. But so, if everyone starts using one particular AI, like Dali, as a reference board generator, then will then all our art start shifting mm. towards art that's produced by their algorithm, mm. and then will it then become like a feedback loop, and then it just kind of keeps Recursively, going back into itself. Everything looks know. the same at the end of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Then we find out what Dali really yeah. looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what some people have been doing. They've been typing in like, "What does God look like?" Like, or uh, yeah, like things that you just like will never get to see or something like that. They're using Dali remember, for that. But now you can. Yeah. What comes what up? I look. Remember, we, you had asked me to do, and it was like a dog dreaming about a dog dreaming about a dog recursively. Oh, dreaming. oh yeah, that wasn't me. But yeah, 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 I was part. Oh of yeah, that it wasn't you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the one where because we tried uh, Cafe Bullions yeah. <laughs> there and it was just this like mashup of four people and then this yeah. really weird cryptic yeah. text in the background <laughs> oh that's right yeah because yeah, it can't 
That's it. It can't like, and this is the this was the cheap Dali one though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. This was this was me using da uh, Dali. No, I think Mini. we did it in uh, Dali too as well. Did you do yeah. it in Dali too? Yeah. yeah. They, they, oh, we I did think too. this is Costas. They look like real people. Yeah, yeah, it can't do text. Kind of like real people. Yeah, it can't, it can't do text. Unfortunately like for Susie, you, I think it was you, four guys every, there. Yeah. Every time you try to get it to do text, it can't do it. Like it just comes up with something yeah. that looks kind of Russian. It was, yeah, it was uh, struggling. It struggles. It can't. Uh, it can't do text. And it, I mean, that's the thing. It has. It has its limitations in, in its current form. Like it that's can't do That's the thing, text. right? The, Dali it exists in a spot where we can use our imagination. But if it's a thing that the artist needs to use the imagination for it can't do it so it can't do text it can't do geometry like it, as i said it can't do pixels because we know what that's supposed to be like matter of factly but we don't know what these aliens or stuff look like so there's room for error in that i'm gonna do one let's do let's do a live uh, pixel art and we'll share okay. it yeah okay what, how long do they generally take to uh like generate 10 seconds <laughs> Oh well. Wow. So okay. what's yeah. what's what is it? What do we want to look up? The pixel art. If we've got our live audience here, po post <laughs> your submissions now. Okay, I'm interested. Let's do the face of God one. I want to see what it comes up. Yeah, with do face pixel. of God. Let's do something that we art. know in a pixel. The, the, do pepperoni right, do pizza portrait. as a pixel art? Okay. Okay. Pepperoni pizza as pixel art. You know, we'll 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 use we'll let Dali make the. Uh, the cover art. I have uh, the screenshot you sent me of it butchering pixel art. Oh. So I'm already safe. Awesome. <laughs> Pepperoni pizza as pixel art. Let's have a look. Oh, here we oh, go. Yeah, and then can we do pizza. Bullion's Cafe afterwards to get a. Yeah, I'm going to stick this. Cafe. I'll stick this on the cover in the background. Like it'll be hanging Sick. on the wall. <laughs> this would be awesome. There you go. Let's have a we'll look. share this as well. We'll share this for for people as well. Pepperoni pizza. Where is it in the chat? Messenger. Yeah, yeah. I can't get Messenger on this computer. I'll tell you. It looks like various pixel art images <laughs> of pepperoni pizza. <laughs> this doesn't. Um, you know what it looks like? It, it, the pixel art style looks very much like the '90s point-click adventures, where yeah. it's like. Cost to put There's it in no the like perfect shapes. It's all very wonky lines. Yeah. What do you mean you can't? It, it's like pixel art. Put the I'm URL. Share it. I don't know how to share it. Oh, there's, there's the image sharing sh sh websites. Share your screen. You're asking me too much here, Alex. I'm asking uh, too much. Let me describe it because let, let me describe it because the audience needs to hear this as well. It looks like you know. So in the '90s, where like there were were artists in the game industry and programmers did all the art themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> Don't you have messages? It's, def it's definitely what we typed in. <sighs> Look at this. Got to get an image sharing thing. Oh, I can bring it up on my phone, I guess. Yeah, get it on your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing too. <laughs> what, what's another one? What, what's something that we want? We're oh, look, these ones aren't too bad. Um, yeah. These aren't right, too bad. Right. Right. Caf a cafe oh, no, 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 no. no. They're broken. Cafe. They're broken. They're broken. So look at the last. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look at look at the last pizza. It's it's little stuff <laughs> oh, though. Oh, he's excited. The first no, it's one's alright though. Like, the first one's alright. Hang on. Well, let's look at the first one. The last <laughs> one has has little p bits of cheese in white there. That's why it looks. No, like it's that. it's <laughs> too too much pepper. <laughs> no, no, no. It's that. It's the fact that this. It's the squares. It's the actual pixels themselves. They're not all the same size, which is which is the inconsistency that I'm talking about. Like they all have it. 
all the pixels aren't the same size. But in any case, what what is the reasoning for using the 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 you know if I'm a pixel artist and I want to see like mm. kind of just different variations of pizza in in pixel form? No, but hang on, hang on, hang on. We're about to go into a cyclic redundancy. That is the point I'm defending, which is. You can use it for inspiration. Yeah, for that, it for that, can't yeah, replace right. for for something so basic that a mm. human can do. That's this right. supercomputer can't replace it. Yeah, let's do a cafe in. Let's do a cafe in uh, pixel yeah. art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do Boolean's cafe pixel art. I think it's going to get thrown off. <laughs> and while that's going, yeah, the Boolean's might well, throw it off. <laughs> all right. Yeah, maybe. Well, while that's going, all right, Alex, uh, you you may hate me for this question, but let's. Uh, Let's play. Let's play this as a little game. All right. Let's let's See, say I know what I'm trying to get when, when people are trying to catch me out and I get fired up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just genuinely interested in your your thoughts here, both of you. Um, okay. Let's say AI is getting pretty good at art. Let's say it is going to get good enough where it can do what our artists currently do very quickly, very cheaply for people who need art to the point where they go, all right, I don't really need to pay artists anymore. <laughs> what do artists then do? <laughs> so Costa sent through the pixel cafes. What do artists then do? Wait, let me artists curate and <laughs> the, I love, okay. Let's let's just the we're first gonna describe one this for the yes. kind the of first one. Cafe, right. It says buffet. Yeah, buffet. B a f e. But look, it is a pixel art cafe. The second one, belly can. <laughs> Oh, did you the, write Boolean in one, this? Bolin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why. Did you write it yeah. like this? And, uh, and the last one, the last one, welcome to, it's not even a cafe, it's a saloon, a Western saloon called Bowley Gal. <laughs> I like that they've actually um, incorporated the Boolean aspect to it. Bolin. That's, that's great. That's I our reckon, cafe, it's called Bolin. The, the third one. I reckon that third one can be our cover from now on. Thanks, Alex. You've done well up to this point. <laughs> no, I, I accept. I accept this. I can't be replaced. I'm going to write <laughs> just one last one before we go. Podcast being hosted being hosted in a cafe in Pixel Art. Yeah. Because I'm running out of credits okay. here, but let's do that. You know what's funny, actually? I just found out the other day about... Uh, a piece of software I have, someone's just released a package where you can use machine learning to generate audio. Mm. So for this episode, I will run this machine learning on the Boolean's outro music and see what it spits out <laughs> and I'll put that as the outro music for that this. That is dope. Yes, perfect. That is so cool. All um, right. That's our so last that's our last bit of uh, Dali art. So we have to share these with the with yeah. the with the I don't the mind audience. that first one. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so cool. Podset. Podcast. Past coast. Past cost. <laughs> Post coast. This is actually pretty good. Like that third one. Oh, wow. That like first one was not bad. shit Spotify cover. Like you could picture the third one. I had the first. Yeah, the first yeah, one's cool. They, they work. Yeah, these are cool. Again, none of these are pixel art, but. <laughs> Still quite cool. But isn't that just so fascinating, <laughs> right? Like just that I idea that they <laughs> can't get it right. Welcome to our podcast, Past Cost. Past Cost. Pod, Podset. Podset could definitely be a podcast. Yeah, definitely. That cover as well. It's is all about pot setting yogurt. I mean, those three people look exactly like us too. Yeah. There's uh, Alex in the middle with yeah. the long hair, Costa with bright yeah. orange hair, and me with no head. A middle-aged and going bold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> was, it's like it's like it knew that Susie would be sick today. <laughs> yeah, there's only three people. It, it does. True. Also, can I point out that uh, my face there is a, also a coffee? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, um, what, were you, what were you saying before, John? You said what? Yeah, no, I just do? I wanted to get your guys' thoughts because mm. all right, we don't have to dwell on this too much, but um, all right, let's say AI gets good enough that you know, okay, it's generating art, and obviously it's easier and cheaper for people to use than paying a real world artist. Mm. Um, what happens to our artists then? Do they is can art like that not be replaced or? Two artists need to get really good at technical side of things so they can actually use the AI as part of their workflow. What? Well, I'd see it as like if it got to that point, then uh, it's just like another another person, except that other person can spit out infinite things. Um, so, well, it's kind of like when texturing, right? When when these softwares came out, um, like Substance Painter and things like that, which uses quote unquote AI, let's say, to, you know, you slap metal on a cube in substance and it automatically puts edge wear on the edges of the cube because it goes, ah, oh, well, the edges are probably where, you know, it would scrape along the sides and um, the paint would wear off and things like that. And when those softwares came out, people were going, oh, that's, you know, taking away the job of um, people who had to study materials and do that. But now you can just slap that material mm. on and it does it. But that didn't take away any jobs in the games industry. That that um, increased the amount of jobs. It increased the fidelity of the games. It means now the games look amazing because it doesn't. You don't have to worry about um, you know finding a, a texture to pose as metal. Like people would use like dead leaves and um, yeah. to try and get the same kind of roughness on scratched metal. They don't have to scan those in and do all that stuff. It's just a, it's like a slap in. But now you get to focus on other things. And I think like Costa said before, it's like curating it. You curate a collection of these things that can then be used in other products. I do think ultimately it's going to be a... Inc- with creative problem solving, I think eventually we'll hit a point where uh, we've crossed the line. As in, mm-hmm. I think we need to, as humans, have creative problems to solve and you know yeah if you're a you know a truck driver something like that they're going well no shit we told you this ages ago you know there is a, there is some things that ai is going to replace and some of us are going to be like oh well you know that's just progress and then when it hits home we're going to be like no nah, that was too far so there is going to get a point where like everything is replaced in, in in a game production where you can go to dali and say let's spit out what game we're we going to play tonight let's just type in a game and it will spit it out um that is inevitable and i think what will happen is then you'll get a resurgence of people making their own games and it'll be like oh it costs more but um it's ethical you know and it's like they love the craft of it yeah you know it's interesting it's like uh from a music standpoint um you don't need to know like the fundamentals of how sound works and even music theory really to make music or make good music and a lot of people make really fantastic music almost intuitively and just through experience with it um but i don't know if this is just because i'm learning it all now but like i feel like at the moment i'm learning more of that kind of like fundamentals of sound and stuff like that and all this knowledge helps with a lot of that problem solving like you were saying alex it's it's not not necessarily for the big picture stuff for the whole song but it's like 
if I put a sound in and I go, oh, I wish this sound sounded brighter or something like that. I now have all this like fundamental knowledge of how sound works. So I actually know all these different ways I could actually make that sound brighter. Mm. And so it's more all those like little touches and all the little, little details that like I would think if AI is going to do, it's a long way off before it could even get there. Yeah. Yeah. It's even like, um, I know with text generated AI, you can, it can, you can even feed AI, uh, let's say different tones of text. So how the author is being Mm. say happy or being serious in tone or being fun. And, 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 and it starts to understand the different types of tones. So, even some of that, like one of the, I think it was an AI tool called Copy AI, which I was using um, just for fun. And you could you could es- essentially specify the tone of the copy that you're wanting to generate. Um, but, you know, to do that, it, you probably have to feed it in a bunch of data. You'd have to classify that data as serious or fun or whatever it is. And then from there, so does it really know and understand what that is? Or it's just kind of like, this is classified, this kind of data. When you know the intricacies like you're talking about, John, where it's like when you hear, when you, I don't even know what brighter is. <laughs> I have no idea what brighter is in the sound context. Uh, but um, but yeah. yeah, like you know what that is. And then also you know like things that you can do <laughs> to change it into a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, well, so brighter is the vague term. For but that's what I'm saying. It's, it, I don't even know how to describe it other than see, that. That's uh, the, I mean, if you go to the actual... That's right. That's the brighter generally means has a higher energy mm. on the higher frequency yeah. end of the spectrum. But see, you couldn't so. even... like you. There's Sometimes you couldn't even really like like classify it, you know? You, you, there's kind of a lot of yeah. different things. It's a, it's an ambiguous term. And like I, I don't know, when, when do we get to the stage where AI knows... Um, you know, that this picture or this art that is generated expresses these emotions or invokes these kinds of emotions in it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the... And I guess yeah. like you were saying before, you called it curation, which is probably a good way of looking at it because I guess both when you're making your own stuff or, you know, you've got people working for you or with you or you've got AI working for you or whatever, I guess you have kind of ex- a level of expectation in your head mm. what you want that final product to look mm-hmm. like and I guess if you have that, especially with AI, I guess, if you're like not compromising too much uh, on your vision, I guess then that still is in some mm. ways your own mm-hmm. vision. You've just got the it's AI important. that knows how to, that that is doing all the actual yeah. heavy lifting, <laughs> all the drawing. Yeah. So you don't actually have to learn how to create the art. Yeah. Man, this is such a messy well, topic. Well, <laughs> we should probably move on to the next uh, article because it's quite right up the same alley. Um, yeah, sure. So there's another tool that's similar to DALI 2. It's called Mid Journey. Um, and it's an AI tool again where it creates images from textual descriptions. Um, and I recently came across it because uh, I saw a the creative director at Wargaming Sydney uh, actually posted on LinkedIn that they were using it as a way of generating inspiration, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, just said fascinating exploring mid-journey to create imagery, lots of fun, but also a compelling tool to generate inspiration. And some of the the art that it actually generated was like quite interesting. It's it's a different type of style um, than, than uh, DALI 2. I know DALI 2 can specify a different style, but... Uh, yeah, this has been generating some really cool art uh, imagery. 
uh, I've been looking it up. It's I haven't used it, but it's I think you have to pay for it. It's ten dollar, ten USD monthly fee. I think uh, limited use, two hundred images per month. Uh, general commercial terms. Pretty cool. Uh, and some of the art that if you look at the art that's been generated on this, like insane, like really cool stuff, high quality. Um, let me just quickly share my screen here so uh, you guys can see at least. Uh, yeah, sure. Just while you're doing that, reading Mid Journeys About page, uh, it says they're an independent research lab exploring new mediums of thought and expanding the imaginative powers of the human species. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> like an AI can, wrote that. Uh, Yeah, it could be, yeah. Especially based on what we were just talking about. Yeah. There you go. They're saying it's ex extending our imaginative powers. Have a look at this one. Luigi as a World War I oh, soldier photograph colorized damaged. <laughs> That is insane. And that's quite cool. <laughs> There's some that's other ones unreal. here. Wormhole, high quality, simplistic, modern, octane render. Like some. This must have been the one where I saw someone do the ask what God is or something like that. Here we go. At, at the end of the world, a high school girl browsing in a bookstore. Makoto Shinkai style. Where does the end of the world kick in? Don't know. Maybe the imagery on there is into the world. I'm not sure. The AI just pretends it can't hear it. Oh, I don't know what you're talking. Yeah, about. there's no the world. Where, where did you find these costumes? These are, this, so this is Mid Journey, the website. There's, um, I think this is where you can use it, so you can post and follow and this kind of stuff. Uh, but there's oh, a community right. feed here, which essentially has uh, wow all of the different ones here. The Great Wave of Kanagawa with pink lava and fire. R Coco hyper real detailed 4K. So you I can get that tattooed on my back. <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah, these look these amazing. are like different different kinds of art, but uh, yeah, very interesting. Even this one, what's this one? Technical drawing of actually, that's a good point. All, all mm. of these look like concept. That's right. Art. That's right. Yeah, and, and this has been pretty yeah. uh, popular from what I've seen on Twitter by uh, from like game developers and and people who are you know really into the concept art stuff. But yeah, again, another tool just to generate some really cool stuff. Fishing on the moon, 4K, and you've got a, a picture there. Susie's been using this. Susie, yeah, Susie, Susie didn't use it, actually. She was mentioning that. And it's coming up with some really great stuff. Yeah. So again, another tool being used um, to generate inspiration. Very cool. If anyone, so weird. Yeah, if anyone wants to check it out, just, just look up uh, midjourney.com. And uh, have a look. I went there and I clicked join the beta and then it tried taking me to Discord. Then it said I do not have permission. Oh, really? <laughs> the AI yeah, has not so deemed you worthy. I, I, I am not worthy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll take a look. Yeah, very cool. What's that galaxy in a bottle one? Is that literally what it's called? This one? Milky Way yeah. in a glass bottle 4K Unreal Engine Octane Render. That's insane. So you're even specifying <laughs> the, the <engine>. renderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. This That's is... Insane. Watch out, Tim Sweeney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> AI has taken over your well, whole engine. I just love this Luigi as a World War One soldier. I don't know who thought of that. Yeah, I know. That's insane. That's... Uh, what's his name? Who's going to be the actor of that? Uh, who was the pianist? What was his name? Yeah, Adrian um, Brody. Adrian Brody. It looks oh, like Adrian yeah. Brody. It does actually look like Adrian Brody. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really funny. cool. 
All right, um, moving on to our next article, something in a completely different realm. Mm. <laughs> um is going to tell us about the game uh, called Escape from Woomera, which came out in, I think it was 2003, 2004 or so. I remember when uh, this came out. I say came out, but I believe that it was also not quite finished. Yeah. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, Costa? I was. so this came from me looking up. I just wanted to look up games that were set in Australia, um, and I came across this one called Escape from Woomera, which is an unfinished um, adventure video game. And it's kind of a protest game. So it's intended to criticize um, the treatment of detained asylum seekers in Australia uh, and as well as the Australian government's attempt to impose a media blackout on the detention centers. So um, it was released in an incompleted state in May 2004. Um, It was was created and developed by Australian video game industry professionals uh, and a journalist using Half-Life's gold source or gold SRC engine. Um, Developers received a $25,000 grant from the Australian Council, the Australia Council to make uh, Australian Council for Arts to make the game, and um, it yeah got a lot of national attention. And again, it was negative where the idea received uh, negative attention. Uh, yeah, very interesting though. Like just just this this idea of using uh, games as a tool for protesting and raising awareness to something what at, at the time and still is you know a, a big issue and and also um, yeah not not. I think a media blackout still is. I mean, you don't really hear much from from that in Australia. Yeah, totally. But just looking at even some of the screenshots there, uh, you know, like one of the situations, for example, here it's got a screenshot of uh, a, uh, someone speaking, uh, the man speaking to a woman, and it says here, Mustafa speaks with a woman whose Quran was thrown to the ground by a guard while detainees line up behind her to use a payphone. In the upper left corner, the hope meter is shown. So they have this concept of a hope meter um, in this game. And um, yeah, it says here that the player assumes the role of Mustafa, who's, who paid smugglers to bring him to Australia after his parents were killed by the Iranian secret police. After the boat uh, transporting crashed him, Mustafa was brought to the Woomera Immigration Reception and Processing Centre. Uh, where he was given the identification number RAR124. After three months, Mustafa was informed that his request for asylum was denied and that he would be repatriated to Iran. Believing that he would be tortured and killed upon his return, Mustafa decided to escape Wumrah. So only a small portion of the game um, exists at the moment, but again, there's uh, some some screenshots here around the yeah like some of this gameplay here where you can kind of go talk to other detainees, discover um you know different things and kind of work on escaping Woomera and again this is like in our backyard this is in South Australia so yeah quite crazy and looking at looking at the um huh I was gonna say I um you I saw that you can actually watch gameplay of it Mm. on YouTube um and I've put a link there uh just if you go down a couple of our articles um just five minute video of someone playing through it um, and it is, it's interesting because like if I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page, talking about the reception, talking about how <clears throat> the game received heavy criticism before development even really began because uh, after the Australia Council decided to fund it, um, our Minister for Immigration, Philip Ruddock, released a statement saying that the decision reflects poorly upon the Australia Council and its judgment that the organisation should lend its name to the promotion of unlawful behaviour. Um, 
And it took me a little bit to figure out what he was talking about there. But I guess being the Minister for Immigration, he's, you know, for how we're handling uh, immigrants and asylum seekers. And so escaping from one of those detention mm. centers would be criminal behavior. And it is worth also remembering um, that this, if this came out in 2003 or developed in 2003, 2004, that's only two to three years after September 11, which is pretty much when the whole world mm. went on high mm. alert <laughs> yeah. for um, you know asylum seekers and terrorists and all, yeah. all that kind of thing. So um, how this would be received now, Possibly a bit better. I'm not sure, but well, yeah. looking at the uh, the notes in the Wikipedia page, like the different references and things like that. So I remember when this game came out because uh, we had to we had to do a project on it for school, and yeah. it was not favorable. Like the teachers were hate, uh, the news wasn't liking it. Um, there's even an article linked at the bottom from May 2003 where it says the head, the executive director of the Refugee Council, even condemned it and agreed with the the immigration minister, because they said it was this illegal act and that it's promoting and because it's a video game, they see it as entertainment. And 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 I'm pretty sure what you said as well about this in the wake of September 11, that was also, you know, on people's minds. Like, And then you look at the notes now and it, there's an ABC article from 2014 saying, um, uh, where was it? It said it's like the most important, you know, game. Uh, where is it? It's kind oh, of a, I've lost it. it's kind of an interesting um, like obviously like from a lawful perspective what you know it's technically illegal what the character is doing but it's a it's a game and it's it's also pointing uh, I think it's like painting the picture of your just the dire situation that you're in when you're when you're there you know when you're in a when you're in an environment like that you are between a you know a rock and a hard place like you come here spending all your money to uh, find a better life. You know, you're essentially screwed over on the way over here with the way that you've paid to get here. You get here and then you're, you know, told that you have to go back. And the place that you escaped originally, you left because of um, the the dangerous environment that it was. So you are literally stuck uh, in a situation like that, so I think it paints this picture that is just just to show the complexity and the in the issues and the difficulty and the stress that someone like that has to go through. So, mm. yeah, it's 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 very. I feel like it's very dumb to just look at it and be like, "Well, oh, that's an illegal act." So, well, <laughs> so yeah. it's crazy. I mean, I'm even reading here the Human Rights Commissioner uh, at the time was disappointed about it too, saying that. Uh, the vast majority of immigration detainees in Australia's remote centres are asylum-seeking men, parents, children, uh, patiently awaiting a visa outcome. Yeah. The game unjustly characterises immigration detainees as, as criminals, criminals trying right. to yeah. bust That's out of right. jail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea of using issues in detention for entertainment is simply sick. That last line is, using issues in detention for entertainment is simply sick. I think... They missed it. it, it yeah, well, I mean, that whole concept of serious games or games being a medium to express a point was almost mm. unheard of then, or at least definitely not common. Yeah. So I, everyone's looking at it as like GTA. They're, they're I kind guess. of looking at yeah, it like, it was like, like you're, you're painting, uh, re, you know, you're painting refugees as criminals. But I, well, I would look at it as like you're 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 showing the amount of like the, how bad the system is, 
but then also the yeah. the stress that you have to go through in a in a situation like that. You know what though is because <laughs> when when this came out in two thousand and three, like one the internet was around, but then we're in Australia, and then in Australia we're in Adelaide. Like this dialogue wasn't happening. Like this dialogue was happening yeah. filtered through like Murdoch media and things like that. You know, like so when this was presented to us as 10 year old students they presented it to us as they said they i remember this because i think about this game like once a month at least i think because wow. i've never looked it up i've never thought about looking it up because <coughs> excuse me i thought it was it was just yeah no, no no because the concept when you're 10 is super weird because the way that they yeah. described it was all they said to us was it's this game where exactly as you said like you're criminals um from you know your asylum seekers and yeah the criminals and your the aim of the game is to get a lawyer to try and get you out i don't know if if that article if that actually is what the game is about but i remember that clearly because then we had to draw a picture of the article like it was a this is the thing oh of like gosh. education 20 years ago but this warped thing you had to draw a pic because we yeah. had these stories every week that we would have to draw we'd have to write about and then we would have to draw what's happening in that story you know we might do like Shackleton going to the South Pole one week and then the next week we're doing this thing. And the way it was presented to us was, yeah, it was, it, it probably actually reflects on the teacher um, uh, and their political views, which is a whole other thing, you know, but it was, that was the aim that was presented to us was it was your, these criminals um, who, and it's your goal to escape by getting a lawyer. They, that was the big thing was get a lawyer. Cause I kept going, how are you supposed to get a lawyer? Like, because they, they just kept showing the... I remember like the woman said they would show the bars and things like that and being like, how are you supposed to... They're not just walking past. Like, how are you supposed to get a lawyer's attention? Like that part wasn't explained yeah. to us at all. It was just that top level stuff. I, I do wonder how many of these people had actually played the game or mm. like seen proper footage of it yeah. before putting out those announcements. Because like that very first part of the game where it says the backstory of who you are, where basically you're in that position where you can't go back to your country because you get killed and then you're stuck there it's kind of that to me is enough to kind of dissuade that oh yeah this is just a fun yeah, breakout game right. yeah <laughs> it's like actually got meaning behind it yeah so. yeah yeah and i mean i've seen we've seen this with other games even more recently fortunately it's not happening as much because people are getting games a bit more but um where news or i've even seen like documentaries pick on games i mean gta gets it all mm. the time um but uh, where people pick on it for being so bad and then they show footage of that's from like one person's YouTube video that doesn't actually represent the game properly. Like if you've actually ever played it, then you realize that, you know, the context of what's happening is actually not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's part of that like larger story of the media trying to, well... It used to be a lot more, but just bash on on video games for being violent and and it, and, yeah. and just generalize that all video games are violent and and whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's too easy to kind of talk about it about I guess a piece of art that you haven't actually experienced mm. yourself. Mm. Just because someone's told you it's bad, it's too easy to then go tell someone else. Oh, did you hear about this this game or this movie that's like does this thing and it's like mm. so bad. Yeah, I just I feel like we should we should we <laughs> just play. We it. should almost have a game jam, like you know, that that just focuses on like 
using games in a in a serious way, like a serious games game jam. <laughs> I thought you were just like, let's have a controversial game. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but like, you know, from a either from like a political perspective or you just like you're trying to uh, come across like you're trying to some kind of cause you're trying to raise awareness to. I think that's that, that'd be quite cool to um and it's and it's it's a very that different challenge very as well from a tr- traditional game because you you want to like get a point across or you want to um educate someone or you want to do something beyond also it being some form of uh experience or entertainment so it's yeah it's quite a different challenge but it's interesting mm. yeah that would be cool, actually. Also, interesting, it was built on the gold source engine, yeah. which is what Half-Life yeah. was built on. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like the engine back then go. that you would have access to. It was like the easily which, moddable one. at its core, was apparently a heavily modified version of id Software's Quake engine. Yeah. <laughs> Borrowing off each other. Man. <laughs> There's a history there. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, tell us about why life is strange. Oh, life is strange. Let me tell you all about why life is strange. (laughs) If anyone here has played Life is Strange or Before the Storm or True Colors or any of those games, you would know they are pretty good games. Um, The first ones, Life is Strange and Before the Storm, I believe both came out as episodic games, episodic, uh, with the first one at least I remember having five chapters um, and they came out at different times because basically, you know, they had built from my understanding built most of the game or game engine then released first chapter and then have to build the content for the second one and then release so on um but come to true colors the most recent one um they kind of ditched that episodic uh format and just released it as a whole game and uh senior narrative designer phil lawrence from deck nine which was the developer admitted that he couldn't imagine the team going back to the episodic model he found that making True Colors as a single game was easier on the writing team and allowed them to hone in on making the story as best as it, as it could be. He said that they didn't have the awkwardness of the episodic model where you were rushing to production on the scripted content for the first episode and then moving on to the next one. Um, he said having it all as a single release is more coherent and organic. Um, they kept in the water cooler moments uh, is one way that he put it where players can step back if they wanted to um, but for those who would then be frustrated by having to wait for the next episode to release uh, having it all together just saves them from that frustration um, Deck Nine's yet to announce another Life, Life is Strange um, but that full re- release five chapter format of True Colors will guide the structure of the series from now on so I thought this was an interesting article um because not many games do the episodic thing, but this was a game that was huge and influenced a lot. Um, and they've decided ultimately that it's not as good for production. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Um, Interesting. I, I do not play Life is Strange, I'm, but I know people yeah. who do. And everyone, the people who have played it, they've never complained about it being episodic. Like, it was more like something to look forward to. Like, I always assumed if you're going episodic, it's because it's like the lifeblood of your series. Like that's what's keeping people coming back. Like what's happening after this part, you know? I feel like it changes Um, the, even the narrative structure as well. I mean, they're obviously talking about it from a production perspective, but in those kind of adventure games where they're episodic, it's a a nice um, 
it's a nice narrative structure where you can introduce something and then kind of round it out by the end of the episode, but then you know end it yeah. on like a cliffhanger and then get people to come back. It's yep. it's a whole different thing because <clears throat> people might experience it um, over, let's say, a year. You know, they yep. like as it gets released, like it's kind of prolongs the um, experience as as they wait and anticipate uh, the the game as it comes out and. I, I kind of prefer, personally I kind of prefer that format because I remember playing like Walking Dead and 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 those um, Telltale games when they would come out in episodic structures like it'd be nice like you know four or five hour play session or like just four or five hours of gameplay and then you'd wait you know a few months and then another episode would come out and then you'd you'd kind of keep revisiting it over a, over a long period of time yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed it but it gives the story time to like stew and like mm, you think mm. about it and you just keep revisiting it in your head like a tv show you finish the season yeah. and you're waiting for yeah. the next season yeah yeah yeah. I hate <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you know what's interesting though so like i actually played through these games uh and i well sorry i played through uh the first life is strange and then the prequel before the storm which were both episodic but i only played them after they had all come out and so I never had that experience of having to wait. And I can tell you that like, while I do agree with you, Costa, that it does help the narrative. Each episode is kind of has to be strong standing mm. on its own. And so you end up with then five strong arcs of the whole story. Um, there's certain cliffhangers at the end of like, I, I'm thinking one in particular in the first one where it's like such a dramatic cliffhanger uh, she that you then want to see how how the characters then react to it afterwards that if I had to wait for that, I reckon the, the wait time would almost diminish it okay. for me. The, this might be a personal yeah, yeah. thing, so but I would be like, I would have forgotten about yeah. it a little bit, if you know what I mean. And so it's like, then when I get to the next episode, it's like that dramatic event is less but, fresh in my head. Yeah. And so but even, less- even, even in saying that, the way that you played it, kind of obviously not waiting for the, the next episode, did you enjoy that format? Uh, having it broken into five yeah. parts. Uh, yes, I think it does work well. I think it does break it up quite well as well. Uh, there is something, this is probably a personal thing as well, but um, there, a lot of games feel too long, mm. I think, especially these days where um, this is one of my gripes with like The Witcher, for example, which you know people love as one of the best games of all time. <laughs> um, too long. Yeah, so it's like I. It took me like my first time playing it. I played five hours, and then I kind of like lost steam. And then the second time, I was like, "Well, everyone says it's really good, so I'm gonna give it a shot again." <laughs> Maybe I was wrong, and then, so I gave it a shot again, and I like hard committed. And for me, that hard commit got me thirty hours in. At which point, I was expecting to finish the game. <laughs> No, there was still another 20 hours after. <laughs> yeah. uh, it actually took me, I like then stopped and then it took someone else coming to me and basically saying, no, you got to finish this game for me to then go back and do the last 20 hours. Yeah. And so I know like Life is Strange isn't a 50-hour game, so it's not suffering from that. But probably one of my biggest gripes with The Witcher is that I never felt like there was like clear uh, achievement of that, like of different arcs mm. in it. It kind of just felt like one long arc that then kept just getting extended out and extended out, um, which then I think for me, I lost steam kind of thing. So have, having it, yeah, definitely having it 
not released episodically, but having those distinct chapters with like strong endpoints and strong arcs within them, I think is definitely a positive. And it sounds like they're keeping that their five chapter format for the series. What those, what those? Um, also, what you were saying, it was kind of, it's kind of like work. Like, which it became work for you. Like, your, oh, totally. your work yeah. never got smaller. Like, if anything, you just had more work to do once that job was done. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look, I could rant more about The Witcher, but <laughs> it's like ob- objectively a very solid game. And I can see why if you're into that world, if you like the world of The Witcher, it's fantastic as an open world experience. But yeah, not for me. Well, I think... But yeah, anyway, back, back to Life is Strange. I think the the uh, what those games and and... and TV series and stuff suffer from and not and suffer from not as a fault of themselves but they're a product of their time and that is that they're mm. they're meta like they're reliant on conversation to exist out in the real world of you to talk about that game while that game is not in production oh, yeah. so you're talking about and you're speculating as opposed to if you just watch the episode the next night, you have there's no room for that conversation to go on to speculate, yeah. and there's that yeah. all that excitement of like Walking Dead, like who did Negan kill? Like that was a huge thing. I missed out on that because I didn't get into Walking Dead until after, uh, like that kind of stuff. But I remember there being huge speculation about who died because they didn't reveal that for like a year, and that's the problem is that these shows enter their meta, you know, they 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 right. enter the real world. Uh, yeah. So, which is what they mean by water cooler moments? That's where you're at work, standing yeah. by the water cooler, mm. discussing it with your work. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's. It, I guess it's just a different thing. I, I'm. I'm very interested to see how they um, take. I mean, I, I haven't played uh, Life is Strange. I do want to get around to it, but I just wonder how they'll kind of make it. Whether they'll stick to making it kind of similar in narrative structure, or they'll. And and also game design, or whether they'll kind of stray away and have to do something else uh, in order to to have it like that. Because I mean, you play just just because I, I just think of it because most well most recent adventure games are in episodic structure. But if you go back to you know nineties point and click adventure games, they they definitely didn't follow it an episodic structure so it's 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 possible it's just yeah. i wonder how it will change the uh the narrative mm. yeah do you think yeah there's a lot lot to be said about i think you're right like the actual architecture of the narrative there and uh that would be interesting i think just to take it as like one form of narrative you can do i wonder how much uh, those water cooler moments actually affect the production of the game, like um, you know, Breaking they, Bad. They would have had forums and stuff like that, yeah, where people would be speculating, and then the develop- developers could look at that. Yeah, like Breaking Bad having you know Jesse's meant to die in the first season, and then just doesn't you know because because people liked him too much. Um, Wait, was he actually meant? Yeah, to- he wasn't meant to hang around very long, and that's that's in a lot of shows. <laughs> and then not not only did he last the longest, he got his own spin-off. He got his own spin offs Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a bunch like that. Um, Daryl from The Walking Dead, same deal. He's meant to die off like straight away, as he was. You know, he carries that show the, now, the bully. doesn't he? He carries that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't got a lot else going on. Far out. Um, Community said no. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. This is like Big Brother or yeah. something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder, I wonder if that carries over to something as, you know, 
developed and as processed as a video game or if they have that kind of mapped out and they're like nah this is we've we've mapped out the fu-. although i guess it no because if he's saying it's stressful if he was saying that way was stressful of doing it I feel like they wouldn't be worried about stress if they'd mapped it out from the start. If they're saying the way that kind of implies, it's like they kind of write it as it goes along. It's probably, yeah, I I don't know how much they had pre-produced, but it sounds like there is a lot that you'd have to do between episodes Mm. that it is a rush. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a rush. It's kind of rush to like get that exactly how they've mentioned it to get that first episode out of just, Quick, quick, we've got to get something out that players can play. Um, we have to get the narrative for that. Like, whereas you could just say, well, we're in production for the next three years, as opposed to quick, we have to rush an episode out in the first, in the next year, and then mm-hmm. go from there. It just gives them more time to, to play around. Because what, what if they release yeah. an episode and they're like, ah, oh, shit, like we wanted to take the narrative in this other direction and now it's out there and we've committed to that. Just re it. Yeah, <laughs> we've committed to it now and that's that. Actually, you know, while you are saying that, I just had a thought about how, because I was like, well, what do other games do when, you know, they want to put something out but it's not quite ready? They do like, you know, it's in alpha or like a beta yeah. release or whatever. But you can't do that with a narrative game, no, can you? It's done. Because you're putting out the actual like, narrative. The narrative's done. No, people just wouldn't even play the, the final version then. Yeah. So choose your own yeah. adventures and you left your finger on the page no that didn't happen <laughs> yeah that's or right you could have like a demo I don't know exactly you, you, you can't do that kind of thing for those games because the, the narrative's that's out that's a the good point done. yeah yeah Mind you, actually, it's probably worth saying with Life is Strange, part of the whole point is that your decisions do actually change the narrative itself and then between uh, those episodes they actually then show you the percentages of what all other players in the world chose. Yeah, it's like, on those it's like Telltale games as well. Same thing. Yeah. But it never... I, I had a chat the other day about this. Like the Telltale games never really had weight on the decision that you made. Yeah. They they, they knew how that was going to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's it made like, you feel I was bad. talking to someone about this the other yeah. day. Where, where games are like, yeah, we've got like branching dialogue and decisions that matter, but then one of them's highlighted in yellow and that one's basically progressed the story. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and then the thing is, you you end up, um, it makes the player feel emotional towards the decision they've made, but in the grand scheme of things, if you were to look at all the different narratives and, and the, the, uh, the branches yeah. it goes down, it doesn't actually have any real t- impact. Mm. Actually, for the crap I was giving The Witcher just before, that game does branching <laughs> narrative very well. Because I had a, I had a moment in The Witcher where, uh, so because uh, as your main character, you're a bit of a womanizer, and you know you can hit on pretty much every uh, woman in the game, um, and one of them uh, was flirting with me, and then we went on a mission together, and I chose something which made her like pissed off, and then she attacked me. <laughs> Um, and so it just went straight from like dialogue straight to like this battle between you and her <laughs> and so like I was like okay it's a battle scene and so like I attacked and then she like got KO'd and died <laughs> And I, but I was like because I thought it was like previous games I'm like oh okay so you have to like get this person down to a certain level of health and then it progresses the game but no she just died and after like talking with her for like 
four hours in game. She was just now out of the game. Oh, <laughs> and I remember just like looking down at her body and just being like, holy crap. <laughs> like this game has made me feel so bad about this. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> which sounds really bad now. <laughs> so, and then, you know, you continue in the game and there's all these moments where you know if you hadn't killed her, she would have been uh, in this conversation with other people. So sad about it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Follows you into the Sh- real world. Shout out to Witcher for making me feel real bad about that. <laughs> it's going to follow you everywhere. John, uh, yeah. we see you want to apply for this house. However, your records also <laughs> indicate you've killed the- <laughs> We've got the list of decisions you made in The Witcher. <laughs> uh, man... All right, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, total, total different point. Um, There's been some news about Mighty Kingdom come out in the last week or Mm. so. Uh, Costa, did you want to give us a bit of a summary about that? You're pretty good with the business stuff. Pretty good. Um, Yeah, so uh, (laughs) there was a big update to Mighty Kingdom uh, basically saying that they are recapitalizing and restructuring with uh, strategic investment and new directors to their board. So... They put out a couple of different uh, releases on the ASX, uh, basically saying that they are raising $7 million in working capital. Um, and they, well, the, the big highlight is that they're recapitalizing and restructuring with an immediate focus on sustainability of current business model to deliver a cash flow break even by the third quarter of 2023. Um, they've put an appointment of three. Non-executive directors with experience, like global experience and exceptional track record in media and entertainment, um, from high-growth companies, and they also uh, are getting an investment of seven million dollars to provide working capital and flexibility, backed by a strategic investment from GameStar Plus and existing uh, significant shareholders and directors. So. The company went into a trading halt uh, on the public uh, stock market to basically like as a pending thing, which is what the people do when, they, when they're going to put an announcement out that they're raising capital or doing something like that. So the, the price doesn't fluctuate or change. They, they put a, a halt on it um, and then they announced that they're doing that. Uh, and, and yeah, so they're doing a few different things kind of as a way to combat uh, some losses that they had last year. So the companies uh, showed, showed that it had a loss of $7 million um, and the share price plummeted from its initial kind of $0.26 cents that it started at down to, to $0.04. Um, oh, wow. So they're, they're doing some things to kind of turn that turn that boat around. Um, and yeah, there's a couple quotes here that I will grab. There's a quote here that Phil said, so basically what Phil May said, after a period which has been very disappointing, both corporately and from a shareholder perspective, this restructuring capital raising represents a very significant change in Mighty Kingdom's outlook going forward. We've built a great culture, a world-class creative team that is in high demand. We produce games for some of the biggest brands in the world. We now have an immediate focus on revenue in building a sustainable business that will allow us to have options moving forward with some significant new shareholders and directors who can assist us on this path. We anticipate a far more successful financial year, uh, FY23, so financial year 2023. Uh, the company GameStar Plus, that's a company that's run by CEO and founder uh, Shane Yeend, who is an Adelaide investor. 
and an investor investor across companies across the world. Uh, he also had a quote which basically said, "This is a very exciting strategic investment for GameStar Plus." Phil and his team of 160 developers and an office literally 100 meters away from ours and immediately Mighty Kingdom can benefit from our relationships and experience learned in our 25 plus years in global interactive entertainment as well as potentially being a key supplier to GameStar Plus. We are confident about getting Mighty Kingdom to profitability fast and there are a lot of companies that would be a great fit for MK's skill sets in a world of gaming and Web3. 2022 has been a staggering year already in gaming deal value with 107 billion in total transactions and Mighty Kingdom is well placed to lead Australia into this new world. I can't wait to be a part of that. So yeah, uh, GameStar Plus is a company in Adelaide as well. I think it's headquartered in Adelaide uh, and it basically does games like, uh, there's like board game hybrid Netflix. They call themselves like the, the, the board game of Netflix, Netflix board games, basically. So it's kind of, they got like yeah, Family right. Feud, which you go buy the board game in, in Target in the US, and then you have a code that you can redeem online and essentially has like a, an online component to it where it's got video and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's kind of like those old, you know, back in the day you'd have the DVDs, but it's a live service yeah. version of those DVDs. Um, yeah, right. So they're looking at a... Seen it. seen it. I love the that best, game. <laughs> best-selling interactive DVD game of all time, reimagined for the streaming. That's game. right. Yeah. So they, they get a bunch of games like that. I think they're even doing a, a push into blockchain from what I've seen as well. GameStar Plus. Yeah, right. I'm not too clued in on that. But yeah, they're, they are uh, putting $7 million into Mighty Kingdom to uh, help them, you know, get back into profitability. Interesting that they mentioned like Web3 and, and gaming and Web3 in that comment. I wonder if that's a, an area that Mighty Kingdom will push into. Not sure, but it's been commented on there on the uh, announcement. But yeah, I mean... Oh, okay. Here you go, Carlos. I just found a tweet from GameStar Plus mm. talking about uh, they've got two different currencies, GSTAR and GBUCKS. GSTAR is a cryptocurrency that will be a native token on the GameStar Plus ecosystem. On the other hand, G-Bucks is the in-game currency that is not built on the blockchain. So they do have their own cryptocurrency there as well. Yeah, I wonder what the, the, how it'll play into it and how it'll work in the, in the ecosystem. But yeah, I mean, Mighty Kingdom, you know, it just it's like it's so hard to do what they're trying to do. Um, to go from you know being a, a smaller company to now growing to such a large uh, company, and so mm. yeah, these are some of the challenges that come along with it. Uh, it's it's good to see that they're kind of doing things to bring themselves back into uh, sustainability and, and profitability. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to see where it goes. Some of the some of the <clears throat> board of directors that I mentioned earlier. Uh, one of them is Ian Hogg, who is uh, an executive who has spent nine years uh, as the CEO of Fremantle, uh, has worked at MGM, Network 10, CEO of the Singapore-based World Sport Group. So again, like these are some people that they're adding to the board to try to assist and, and help them back. David Buderak, who is a Harvard Business School alumni. Uh, David has also worked at a bunch of different uh, media companies and then also Melanie Fletcher who has 25 year 
track record of delivering productions across the globe and spent seven years as the chief operating officer and executive producer of global content creator Done and Dusted. So again, these are like some people they're putting into to helping um, helping them out. So yeah, there's a lot going on, but you know we we kind of want to we want to see this turn around. Um, you know, it's one of, it's the biggest the biggest uh, developer in Adelaide, and arguably I think the second in Australia. So you know, I'm I'm keen to see where it goes, and I'm keen to see how it um, affects the the IP that they're creating as well and the games that they're creating. I was going to say, it, it does seem like, I'm just reading there about Mighty Kingdom right down the bottom. It does sound like they're trying harder to develop their own IP as well now, which is always a lot riskier. And For sure. Well, they got that. <laughs> probably will be operating at a loss for a while. Look at until that spin effects. You hit something. Spin effect? No. Carnifex. Carnifex. What's spin effects? I don't know what that is. But see, and that was one of the things that Phil mentioned when he was on the podcast was just that the, the I guess the, his vision for taking the company to to you know do its own storytelling um and then also okay. and then also the, just the challenge of going from a work for hire kind of business model to original ip like it requires a lot of money so so that's the actual direction that he said they're looking at well yeah. back then this was back then so i'm you know this this would change. Yeah. I, I think now in some of these announcements, um, he's like MK has mentioned that they are they're doubling down on profitability. Like they want to they want to get back to cash flow positive. Yeah. Um, the way the way like, in which they get there, whether yeah. it's work for hire, I'm not sure if they might have mentioned it. I think that I did hear read somewhere that they will be kind of doubling down on partnerships and that kind of stuff to to help assist with um, getting some cash flow in. But, Was yeah. there any say about? Um Conan Chop Shop because that was their original IP game yeah but that was like delayed like two years or there was, something like there was a um, article uh, where they actually yeah they announced that it was the Period Street based game developers told the ASX last week so this was a I think an announcement they made in April um, that the game had excellent reviews after hitting the market on March 1st, but did not meet the company's expectations um, from sales. So this is what they had in a statement to the ASX. Notwithstanding the excellent reviews, the initial sales were lower than expected, likely driven by other major game releases around the same time that took focus away from Conan Chop Chop. Whilst these market factors have influenced initial uptake, lifetime sales modeling is demonstrating that there is likely to be a longer revenue tail on the game. Um, driven by positive reviews and the nature of the gameplay lending itself to social gathering. I did also read somewhere here about Conan Chop Chop uh, in one of their... It does does say towards the start, uh, they've invested in underlying technology and gained scale. How, however, delays in launches experienced have put pressure on the business. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I- so that, is, that is the single reason they give yeah. delays. Yeah, there was... So they're going to be looking at streamlining... And commercializing business process and structure, I guess. Yeah. There was actually something I had read as well um, with regards to Conan Chop Chop. I can't remember where I found it, but just talking about the approach of um, the approach that they they might take to uh, get the game, like remarket the game, essentially. 
um, and to oh, kind yeah. of focus, oh, there, and chop, and chop. To focus on. Yeah. Uh, I think it was social. It's like social, maybe influencers or something to uh, get the game. Yeah, I right. I can't remember where it was. That's the new marketing strategy now, basically. Yeah, pretty much. You've right. got to get streamers to play it. That's right. Yeah. If stre- but the, that's the thing, right? Is like streamers can't really be bought. Like, as in they can be bought, as in you can present a game to them, but their opinions are going to be their opinions. And that's, that's right. That's the tricky yeah, part. It depends how much you pay them and who it is. <laughs> I'm sure there's corrupt streamers out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope not. But They're the know. ones that aren't making enough money. <laughs> mm, it would have to be. Yeah, Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't need you. I've got, <laughs> I got Twitch bucks. <laughs> Look, if we see Kim Kardashian playing Conan uh, Chop Chop in a couple weeks... <laughs> <laughs> could be huge but yeah it's a, i guess it's a it's a turning point for mk and i i do hope that they recover and i want to see some of the games they really they're they're working on i know they're working on a lot of ip uh internally their own stuff and i really am keen to to see and play those games mm. Well, look, if if next year we saw see all the art in their games looks like Dali <laughs> generations, <laughs> they would know the approach they've got. They've had to streamline. <laughs> Dali does all the artwork <laughs> and the programming and everything. You know, I I want to I want to do that in a game jam. I want to do like a Dali game jam where you have to utilize Dali. <laughs> Dali jam. I've had a game jam where it's like fifty teams, but only one of them has a human and it's Costa. Yeah. <laughs> And every other team is just AI. Probably still getting beaten. It's the cost of game jam. Yeah, that's right. You have to generate. Cost It'd be cool jam. to generate. Like, you'd have to use Dali to generate the title of your game, the description of your game, and then use that uh, that description to that generate so the cool. art and then go from there. Like, that's the, that's the basis. That'd be so cool. Actually, I know um, from memory, uh, I did an audio jam once and one of the people... Uh, uh, Sean was doing it and he actually used AI to he used GPT-3 to generate text mm. uh, which then gave him the idea for the music that he made um, and he actually posted the block of text in the Discord and it was really interesting yeah. to see um, his process with that so yeah it can be done there you go I think, I think that yeah. brings us well Speaking of AI, we should probably end this episode and all going well, I figured out how to do this machine learning for audio and uh, the music you're about to hear is the the AI-driven uh, Cafe Boolean's theme. So it'll either sound glorious or dreadful. <laughs> and all the artwork so you enjoy the that, guys. <laughs> will be AI-generated. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, you know what? This whole conversation you've just listened to has been AI. Turns out we've all been sick this week. <laughs> <laughs> you all got dallied. Yeah. <laughs> is that actually a verb now? Yeah, now it is. As it of eight fifty-six p.m. Tuesday afternoon, eight thirty-eight, twenty twenty-two. You heard it here first, folks. You've been dallied. Um, thanks for joining us this week. Oh, actually, before we go, we need a question for the fortnight. Hmm. What's uh, hmm. based on what we've talked about? We've talked a lot about AI, Dali. We've talked about. Uh, games as a tool for protest um, and the game about Woomera Detention Centre episodic models and Life mm, is Strange there's a lot there I would say I, I, I kind of want to hear a question maybe a question around like AI if you could if you wanted it to kind of be used for something in game development to help 
you in your process, what would it be? Like just blue sky, you know, mm. can be oh, yeah. whatever. Like even if it's not technically possible, what would you want it to do? Well, let's get the ball yeah, rolling with you that's two. That's a good one. Let's get Costa, the ball rolling. What would you want AI to replace? Yeah. Uh, I would want AI to basically help me write a script that I could then like it'd be cool to just like create characters and be like this is the kind of characters they are and then put them in a room and just have a conversation with each other and then like use that as a way to give me insight um, and then you know just go from there and iterate that'd be cool yeah like block out an initial pass yeah like block out like here's a conversation about these two people are arguing about this and these are the kinds of people they are and then just have a conversation based on that mm. i think i've seen that posted in the disc well not a script like a conversation basically yeah oh you know what no i have i've definitely seen that i've seen, I've seen scripts like, but uh, but you have to feel yeah. it in the script like i'm saying specify the kind of person and then the other kind of person and the characters uh, and all this and then just like get them to talk about something well you're like this is the kind of person that drips oil on your driveway and then was like it must have been someone else yeah. and then the ai is like i know that piece of shit yeah. i know that very well that's me how about yourself um I would, my first answer was going to be ai that writes uh, positive reviews for my game on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> but no not actually i'd feel terrible if i did that um i would I reckon playtesting mm. would be a it's great a place to make AI do mm. <laughs> uh, because you could just, yeah, you could just like playtest and the AI, you could design it in a way where it spits out specific data that's really helpful mm. to see key areas or, you know, you do a hundred like, oh, a hundred AI would do, you know, a million, a billion passes of a level and you see all the little corners that it gets stuck and we actually assuming spoke. the AI is a good representative of real players. That's the only problem yeah yeah we we spoke to um steve bromley about that yeah uh in the last episode is he is he an ai he's a, a no, he's a, he's a, yeah he's a oh, he's a real yeah. human awesome. yeah <laughs> he's dolly I spun him he's up on dolly yeah. yeah 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 let's have a dolly guest um yeah and we were saying about that that about ai playtesting and what did he say costa he said about yeah, some research the, the biasness but there's also some research being done uh, he mentioned at the end of the podcast that there is yeah. some tools being developed to help with playtesting uh ai playtesting so yeah there, cool. i think there is some work there but i don't know what the extent of that is it's and it's probably not commercially available hmm. right well so i guess anywhere where ai can help you see your own blind spots is probably mm. a helpful thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be good. How about you, Alex? AI to do the marketing. <laughs> yeah. Point. The social posts, the yeah. hashtags. That'd be great. The just, here is the game. Here is screen. I'm going to screen record the develop me developing the game. Um, figure it out. <laughs> figure out where it, it works. Figure out what's going on. It. Yeah. Literally just screen record anything you want. If you want me to run the trailer, whatever. I mean, that I don't have to run it. Just give you the file. But like do the marketing. Which can live in a future where it's like you know what? an AI is marketing a game to another AI. And then that AI is, is doing its <laughs> its work to tell you to tell you what game you're going to enjoy the most. And then, and then it picks it out and tells you based on all the marketing out there. 
and then and then you're gonna ai that plays yeah. the game for you and then you just yeah. watch the playthrough yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what that is that's literally twitter that's just you know how elon musk is like yeah it's 90 percent. i yeah. can't remember what he said but it's like 90 percent bots that's literally the future we're yeah. discussing Isn't right that now. hilarious that you could do that right you have an ai yeah. that makes the game you then have an ai who markets the game <laughs> that ai then markets it to your youtube which is powered by ai which actually <laughs> suggests community. a streamer that doesn't exist that is AI that plays the game. Oh it's, man! And you go. It could end up being a, its own like in like feedback yeah. loop. You know, yeah. Its own ecosystem where there's no humans playing these games, but it's just AI <laughs> yeah, doing yeah, the whole yeah. process. <laughs> That'd be a good deep dive. Like probably how you could, the technology could go. Hey. Like you know that guy that um that made his own chicken sandwich. Like he, he grew the yeah, wheat. Yeah, yeah. He, he raised the chicken. Uh, oh, from completely from, from scratch. Completely from scratch. He wanted to make a chicken. Yeah, and, and like the end result was it wasn't that great. Um, <laughs> it's like that, right? Like you just build this thing from scratch of like have a completely- You just- That would be such a cool- You just put these things in a little uh, simulation and then it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And, on and then just yeah. cool to see what they come out with. That would be such a cool thing. Well, th- okay, that is cool. And then you do that as a simulation and then you use the results of that to then plan your own yeah. marketing strategy. <laughs> there is marketing simulation yeah. games that are out there that they use in university yeah. to teach people marketing. Really? Yeah, I can't remember what it, I could I use that. What it was called. I'm, I'm not that great. Maybe it was like a business one. I can't remember what it was, but there are, there are some tools out there for like a, like a game slash simulation. Yeah, cool. Is the simulation just, it's like pump money yeah, yeah, into yeah. your Facebook yeah, ad Yeah. <laughs> the more yeah. money you put in, the better you do. <laughs> to be yeah. All right. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, folks. We will catch you at the cafe next fortnight. We hope you've enjoyed it and catch you next yeah. time. Bye. Cafe Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.